2: You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story.
0: Ether spikes to $1.60 as traders jump on opportunity meant for developers. See, there's an opportunity to make money everywhere in crypto. So, GETH pumped over $1.60 this weekend, rising from $0.07 cents last Friday. And it reached a market cap of $15 million, which is pretty impressive. Nearly a $1 million worth of GETH was traded in the past 24 hours with $3.79 million total. Of g circulation and 1,260 token holders at press time. But it has now dumped over 40%, which makes sense because that's kind of what traders do. They get in and get out. Galeri is a test net version of Ethereum for developers to simulate transactions, smart contracts, and test their code prior to deploying on mainnet. Well, since you are our tech person, I think, are you the tech savvy person of the show today? Maybe. I'm going to toss, I'm gonna it toss this be. over to you. I'll toss it I think over Christy's to you, even though it's not a. Too. You or Christy, you guys want to fight for it?
3: You got options today. That's a nice thing. I'll take it really quick and throw it over to Christy. Yeah, this is a funny story. And I think it kind of goes to the point that everything crypto has a price, right? Like most things in the world actually have a price. We just don't think about it because there's not really a marketplace for them, right? So like I'm in a room right now with a bunch of potted plants. Not really a price that we think about for them, but they actually do have a price. We still have a marketplace for them. And GoEarly was the same story, right? There wasn't really a marketplace for GoEarly ETH, like if you wanted some. You'd go into a Discord channel, you'd ask a bot for some, and then it would send it to your ETH address just as a faucet. And this is a common thing in crypto, right? Going back in history, there was even Bitcoin faucets when Bitcoin basically had no price because there was no marketplace for it. Once these marketplaces start showing up, people start pricing things. And the same thing is happening with GETH here, right? Where they put it on Uniswap for the first time and then it starts trading at a price. And people don't like that because it really is used just for developers. People use GETH to test new applications really the only purpose for getting it. And all of a sudden, it has a price and people are uncomfortable with it. I'm not really uncomfortable with the story though, because I think it just makes sense. Like, It's not ever going to have the price that ETH does because ETH is where the action actually is, where people are actually putting applications on chain that people are using for trading and finances and things like that. GETH is just for testing things around. So I think people got uncomfortable with it. But to me, it's not too big of a deal. But Christy, you might have another take.
2: Yeah, I... First off, my my uh, my first reaction was, "Wow, is this ever dumb?" Because these are testing tokens; these aren't supposed to have value. The value is in the testing environment, and it is, as you said, they were they were distributed through a faucet, like you just got it for free in order to test things. Now, what is I think unfortunate about this situation, and this is where, as Will alluded to, people are getting uncomfortable about it, is that it's basically going to end up wrecking the testnet. There were, I think, four testnets originally before the mainnet release of ETH2, as they say, of <laughs> um, proof of stake. And they deprecated two of them and gorley is one of the remaining testnets. And now we're going to lose gorley because it's having these tokens oh, and ascribed value to them. Now that makes it expensive for developers to use them and test things on the network in the way it's meant to. It looks as if they may just deprecate that network as well. One of the developers said, it's done well, it's run its course, and that's totally fine. You know, what happens if they do the same to the next test network that's left? That's, the, I think, the concern there. I don't know how big a concern that is, but that's, I guess, one of the reasons why people were uncomfortable with the whole idea of these tokens for some reason, you know, reasons having value suddenly. What do you think, Jen? Well, I have a, a
4: bunch of GE that the developers send me to test things, and I read the headline. And I was like, am I rich? And then turns out I'm not. <laughs> um, but the, the story made me wonder, Christy, and maybe you can answer this question for me. How is this going to affect the developers? Like, it doesn't have a big impact on developers who are building things now. What's going to happen?
2: I, I don't know. I mean, literally, I don't know. I just know that if you are a developer who is randomly testing stuff on the Gorley test network, then it's going to cost you to use the GE in order to make your products or your, your applications run or test. Now, perhaps this will then get kicked back to a company that is sponsoring the developers or who's hired these developers and they can eat the costs and it's no big deal. But it does look as if they are just going to end the test network, which means they will lose that environment and have to switch to, I can't remember which one's left, but there's at least one left because two of them are already deprecated. So yeah, that's, I think, the concern. And hopefully we don't end up with the same thing happening on the remaining network. Anyway, that's, that's, anybody have anything else they want to add Let's to that see, before Jen's, we... Man. I I totally get the concern that it's,
0: you know, making it harder for the developers to develop and, you know, focus on what they're doing because of the cost implied now. But at the same time, I think that this is also a cool part about crypto is that people can find value in anything and create value anywhere. And I just like the idea of being able to transact and, you know, use different things however you want to use them. But again, I still empathize with the developers because I understand that can be a little bit of a pain.
2: Tuesday's Top Story
4: we are now in the metaverse where tokens are surging. So metaverse token Gamium surged 340% after the project announced a partnership with social media giant Meta and telecommunications firm Telefonica. Gamium will work with the two companies on the metaverse activation program, which is an initiative to help scale web three startups. George, I'm going to kick this one off to you first. Meta has really been trying their thing in the metaverse. It hasn't been totally working out for them. But Mark Zuckerberg has been firm on his metaverse stance. He really believes it's the future. And now we have this partnership. Uh, What do you what do you make of it?
5: Let's just let's play a game. Jen, what does this thing do? Because you're going to have to convince me to care about this type of stuff. Like what is scaling the Web 3 through the metaverse even really mean?
4: That's a great question, George. And this is not a story that I'm going to come in and convince you on. This really sounds like an incubation project, right? Where Facebook is going to provide support. They said they're going to provide some of their proprietary technology to Web3 startups that come into this incubation project. The telecommunications company, it sounds like they're going to provide some kind of infrastructure, but this isn't something that I'm going to convince you on. I think the metaverse is definitely super far away. But Meta's commitment to it is something that's quite interesting, especially as we see them losing billions of dollars on their thesis. So I'm not going to convince you on this. I think it is an incubation project for Biddle season. And it's important that, you know, I think Web3 projects get support.
5: Yeah, I guess like, <laughs> I am proud of Meta for kind of sticking to their guns. They used to have this big cash cow with Facebook. And they moved over to this meta idea. And they're really leaning into it, even though it's clearly not working. The market cap is completely falling off a cliff. And they're going to keep trying to do it. I-, I just don't buy the whole, we need a token for this, we need a token for that. Because I don't know why I would want to be involved with the meta version of the metaverse. I feel like that's the wrong way to do it. I feel like if we're going to go and be metaverse people, we should have the big old decentralized metaverse. But maybe I'm just having wishful thinking there. Wendy?
0: So, I just wanted to pull something up really quick. I know I should have sent it to control. I didn't have a chance to. But, Baron, I, I was reading about layoffs for Meta, and I believe they laid off over 11,000 people. So, I'm very curious as to why they have money to pay for this type of stuff when they've let people off. So, I don't know. Well, the stock End-work. went up
5: after they, they laid off uh, 11,000 people. That's how it what works. A right?
0: I, what a bunch of haters.
4: What a bunch of haters.
5: It's called a riff. I have a dream. They- force
4: they hired 10,000 people for the metaverse, right? Then they laid off 11,000 people when you know the economy took a turn. I have a theory that programs like this will bring the skills that they were looking for from those people that maybe got laid off back into their ecosystem in a little bit of a different way so they can continue to innovate and leverage what people are building in Web3 without actually having to have them in-house. I don't know. Ben, what do you think?
5: Well, I think uh, Facebook's uh,
0: track record with uh, Web3 generally is pretty parlous. I mean, it started with uh, Libra, that failed. It went to DM, that failed. It was sold off. Then they kind of went on to the metaverse with the meta rebranding. That seems to not do very well. And then this is sort of seems to be a classic case of kind of banging on a buzzword to try and make some uh, buzz. And uh, they seem to be making buzz, but it's not the same as uh, really building a real project with, with legs. So uh, I'm a little suspicious of this, but uh, I think it's that they're trying i think the whole thing about facebook and meta believe in decentralization because on the one hand we want to see the decentralized uh, metaverse but uh, is meta really going to be building that for us i think that's really highly debatable
4: yeah i don't know if meta is the one to take us to the decentralized virtual world that i know i dream of but wendy i want to toss it off to you for the price action from a trading perspective Are you watching like these gaming and metaverse tokens? Like what do you make of these tokens surging so much and pumping on news like this, especially in a bear market?
0: To me, I don't chase green candles. So I don't think anybody else should be chasing green candles unless you know how to trade this stuff. I think it's super, super risky to get involved in things that have pumped this hard in this bear market. I know there's some type of argument between if it's a bull market, is it a bear market, et cetera. I still think it's a bear market. I still think we're going to see a lot more downside. I would just be really cautious what is it, George? How do you say it? Buy the rumor, sell the news? Is that, is that how traders are supposed to, to do their thing? Is that it? I think,
5: that, I think that's right. I'm not much of a yeah. trader myself, but that's what I hear.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know,
5: but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not buying it.
0: I'm not buying something that pumps 300% in a bear market. Are you kidding me? These types of markets are protector capital markets. You're supposed to use minimal risk and protect as much capital as you can. And consider making like solid plays, just because Meta's in partnership with these people doesn't mean the project's going to do well or sustain, especially price action, as we've seen in the past. Meta failed miserably towards the metaverse, so I don't know if I would trust them or want to put money into the project just because of their partnership and hold long term. I would actively trade this, though, maybe even short it. Not financial advice.
5: Yeah, and if if my not financial advice as a Bitcoin maximalist means anything to anyone here, I guess. If it's difficult to describe what the project does, say, Jen, when I say what does it mean to scale the Web3 world and you kind of have to go through this gobbity to tell me what it is, then...
4: Are you saying I gobbity-gooped? Because no, I'm just I'm not telling you, you what did. the story says. Okay. I'm saying
5: if people say, why did you buy this? And you say, oh, I don't know, it went up 300%, then maybe rethink I, your thesis. One of
0: the things I will say is like even though like what we see in the gaming community, people have... They're groups that they rock with, that they resonate with. So if somebody likes a particular game or a particular project, they're going to be more likely to participate just in that ecosystem alone. And again, we've seen this with gaming, like people that like Xbox Game 1 or Xbox Game 2, they are like gung-ho on that particular project. They're not really going to merge over and play a separate game for the most part. Like the gamers I know, they are like obsessed with one singular game and they play that thing 24-7, 365, and always ask mommy to bring them chicken nuggets and flat orange soda. Well, I
4: will I will say before we before we move on to the next story, Gamium is not a metaverse that I'd heard of before. I went to their website. It seems like they're playing with this like social metaverse idea where you create an avatar and then you can move around through different worlds. And they envision a, a metaverse where you can like go to the bank and meet your friends mm-hmm. and and do all of the things that we spoke about during the bull market. And so I love I going it to the meta- bank.
5: It's one of my favorite things. I can't wait to do it. in the you, metaverse. Uh, Yeah,
4: same. You know, I go there, I check my balance, I make sure everything is good. You don't use your your cellular device? No,
5: no, no, no. No, I go to physical banks.
2: (laughs) Wednesday's
5: top story.
2: There is a little bit of a feud happening. So there's a big conference happening right now in Denver, East Denver. And there are some side events that happen. One of the side events is hosted by Pontum, a crypto wallet startup backed by the Aptos blockchain, and they are hosting the MoveCon conference later this week in the Aptos house on the sidelines of ETH Denver. So the focus of this event is Move, M-O-V-E, Move, and that's a coding language that Facebook engineers originally developed for the defunct project Diem. It's also the base language used by both Aptos and Sui. These are two blockchains that emerged in part from Facebook's defunct stablecoin project. So there were invitations and then disinvitations to this little event. And of course, going to events is all about going to the side parties. And well, there were disinvitations. So the Sui Foundation is now not going to be attending MoveCon on March 3rd. And they're kind of annoyed by this because obviously, you know, Pontum is a uh, wallet started up backed by the Aptos blockchain and now the rival Move platform, Sui, is not allowed to go. So what's the, what's the big deal between these two? Aptos' implementation of Move uses an address-centric model and works closely with blockchain networks. And it involves two ledgers and there's like a lot of techie stuff, but so they have an address centric model, whereas Sui's move implementation uses an object centric model. So that means tokens and smart contracts and NFTs are displayed as objects and makes the ownership of particular things uh, really explicit. It's a potatoes, potatoes kind of thing, (laughs) but some potatoes are better than potatoes apparently. And this is causing some stress. So here we go. Does anyone have anything they want to say about this little drama, Anna? I want to
0: just say I love how savagely, Christy, you stressed the word defunct, <laughs> talking about Facebook's previously like very hyped blockchain project, which used to be Libra, then it was DiEM, then it was totally abandoned. And it's funny that you know, I, I think these days you need to really remind people what these projects are, you know, like what is Aptus, what is Sui. You know, not, not many people have been paying attention what's going on with them. And it just illustrates, you know, how much the personalities and big names play, you know, how, how big is their role in crypto, which is supposedly decentralized and like, you know, authorityless, and so
5: on. Yeah, I love how this drama is very nerdy, right? You're talking about a design choice versus like an account system or an object-based system. That's ridiculous, right? And, but we love the drama, right? And I'll take it to the logical sh- extreme that I think Anna was kind of suggesting there. This is why we need decentralized and neutral money and neutral systems, because even me, a so-called reasonable person, might have some sort of discriminatory thought in my stupid little head. And because of that, I can easily be corrupted. I, George, can think of many, many people who I don't want to be invited to a conference or a conference side event that I'm attending, and I can think of many people that probably wouldn't want me to be invited to a certain conference or a certain side event. But that shouldn't matter, right? Isn't that the point of all of this? Even if they've never done anything to me ever or I've never done anything to them ever, just because they decide they want an object program language or an account-based program language, I don't even know if what I'm saying makes sense, but... Come on, guys, you were rejects from the DM project anyway. You know you know what it's like to be rejected. You know what it's like to be disinvited, uninvited. Come on, are they really going to uninvite people just because someone else said that you should uninvite someone? If anything, don't you want the fireworks to fly? Bring everyone. We should invite Roger Ver to the, the Bitcoin conference, right? Let's do that. Why not?
2: Well, the thing is also, move is a language that is not exactly, you know, popular it's not like everybody's doing it these are two projects the two biggest projects that are using move and the whole project is about move and you're eliminating basically half of the move developers from showing up so it's really not a very it's not an inclusive little program at all and i think that's part of the problem that you get with some rival projects and you know even in Bitcoin where you need to have the diversity of voices and you need to have the developers coming together in order to actually make things work. That's how things develop is when you have conflicting views all coming together and sharing. So yeah, George.
5: Yeah, to that, right? If you think your, your idea is better than another person's idea, just silencing that other voice is not the way to do it in this new system, right? Let's have a conversation about it. Let me convince everyone else that I'm right, and we can start moving forward with my idea. Silencing your, it's not even critics, it's just silencing someone else who has a different idea than you is sort of the antithesis of what this is all supposed to be about. So anyway.
2: Yeah. And, and silencing one, competition. I mean, really, yeah, it's, exactly. I, I think these are competing layers. So uh, you know, you're, you're looking at, at taking out your competition by disinviting them. And, and that's just a bad look. Thursday's top story.
6: Binance has been kind of an ongoing article of interest for the past couple of months, kind of in the wake of the FTX collapse and a lot of skepticism around centralized exchanges. The first part of this two part story is kind of the less interesting, which is just that three U.S. senators have sent a public letter to Binance asking for a lot of information that, frankly, they're probably not going to get, but alleging with some cause that Binance has enabled a lot of criminal activity and also concealed uh, financial information from customers, which we're going to talk about more in the second part of our first half here. I'm not going to unpack it entirely, but we did get a response from a Binance spokesperson to that letter, which uh, frankly echoes some of the issues that we have seen in communications from Binance recently, which is that they are fairly vague, um, hand wavy. I think that the funny part about this statement is that it says, we look forward to correcting the record. We're not going to do it now, but we look forward to correcting the record at some point. And that has been in general finance's attitude. And we'll, we'll see more of that in a bit. The one thing I would note is that of the three senators, one of them is Elizabeth Warren, who frankly, whatever you feel about her in other realms, has sort of burned some of her powder as a crypto critic already and not necessarily to the most effective use. It's sometimes a little bit harder to take things seriously when it comes from Warren, but it is true that Binance has left a lot of unanswered questions. You know, it remains to be seen how much they can stay out of U.S. regulators' grasps, but they're certainly being reached for.
2: One of the things that really stood out to me with the way that Binance has been responding to this is there is a lot of, as you say, misdirection, but there's also a lot of suspicion of the media And one of the things that, you know, in the years that I think that you and I have covered crypto, David, is that there are some serious problems with companies and the way that they deal with the media in the first place, where they don't give straight answers or they're not accessible to answer questions. And when you do ask and try to do a complete article that presents both sides, they come to you after you've already published the article with new information that, you know, they should have, been upfront with in the first place. They also, and I've seen this with many companies and we're seeing a lot of evidence of this in Binance as well, they don't have their message straight in the first place. You have person A saying one thing, which contradicts what person B is saying, who is maybe looking at it from a different angle from person C, who then says something completely different, which ends up with a very confusing and hard to swallow narrative. And I'm seeing this in Binance right now. But this has been, I think, a trend. And then they get all upset when mm. we have journalists who come in and write articles that say win poke Awards and take down entire industries, <laughs> as we've done here at Coindesk. And, you know, it only happens when we ask questions. Are we publishing these articles? Do we want people to read them? Absolutely. But there's a reason why journalists ask questions. And there's a reason why we write the stories we write. And this is One of the things that companies are just if you can't answer the questions, then you know, maybe Mm -hmm. there is something wrong that needs to be addressed. What do you think, Zach?
1: Yeah, well stated on the media angle for sure. I want to just zoom out a little bit. I think it's, you know, it's hunting season and it is big game season and US regulators are doing their best to hit that target that's sitting squarely on the back of CZ and Binance here and now. Whether or not they have sort of jurisdictional abilities to go and do this may not matter. Obviously a little Mm -hmm. bit of this is grandstanding. But I think U.S. regulators and lawmakers are really looking for a big win on crypto, and they see no bigger opportunity to do that than with Binance. So the idea that this scrutiny is here is something that I think is obviously in reaction to the FTX thing. They want to see if they can get ahead of the next one. And they sort of have this hunch that Binance may be that next big one that could leave investors in the U.S. and beyond in trouble. So that's, I think, is part yeah. of it. And I think, you know, David, you're right to sort of point out that Liz Warren has not maybe been the best, the most reliable narrator on crypto issues of late. So I think that is interesting also to flag that she's among this cohort of lawmakers asking for a bit more clarity. Interesting to see what the correcting of the record looks like here. But I'll toss back yeah. to you, David.
6: I will just make two last comments about this part of the story, and then we'll move on to talk perhaps in more granular detail about media Somebody might be able to correct me here, but I was looking and the most recent information that I could find was that Binance does, among other things, still have uh, zero KYC options for users. They lowered their withdrawal limits recently to a fairly low level, but that doesn't mean it's zero. And at the same time, if you have no KYC, you then can get the equivalent of a centralized exchange Sybil attack. If you can make one non-KYC account, you can make 100. Um, so there are real grounded reasons for these concerns. Obviously, Binance has also engaged in some regulatory arbitrage by being a little bit opaque about where it's actually based, where it's regulated over the years. So it's important to remember that, that Binance has kind of made its bed here. So even while people are kind of fighting the last war and paranoid because of FTX, um, as, as a great man once said, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Uh, and Binance could very well be after your money.
2: You've been listening to the Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at Coindesk.com, subject line The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.
7: This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, You create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.